With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference forget the sec forget the big 10 and forget national podcasts that only talk about oklahoma and texas we talk about the sooners and the longhorns we also talk about the cyclones the cowboys the wildcats the mountaineers the jayhawks the red raiders the horn frogs and the bears we love the whole big 12 and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found so go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today following is the podcast version of the big 12 championship preview party that we had over on Twitter spaces on the Rock Chalk Pod account. Even though the game has already happened, there was a lot of discussion about both of these teams and about how you can look about them going into the NCAA tournament, so I still think it's worth a listen. Enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to our Big 12 Championship Preview Party. We've got some people from the Texas Tech side coming up. I'm Andy Mitz. I host the Rock Chalk Podcast, part of the 1012 Podcast Network. Um, you can find our stuff all over the place. I also run the Blue Wings Rising site. It's a, it's a newer site covering the Jayhawks over on the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. Give all of that a follow if, if you haven't already. But uh, we are here for some fun today. Kansas, another Big 12 championship game, another appearance for them. Texas Tech making their second appearance uh, in the Big 12 championship. So looking forward to a lot of fun. Hopefully Kansas gets another one. Um, and, and look, they, it will clinch a number one seed overall. I'm sorry, not, not overall. A number one seed for the Jayhawks in the NCAA tournament if they're able to get this win today. I think they might have it anyway, regardless. But uh, let me see who all is here. I'm going to get some people up here to come and talk with me so you guys don't have to just listen to me vamp the entire time. Uh, let's see. We got – we got uh, – let's get some people up here. So for those of you guys that haven't listened to the recap from yesterday yet, um, I think the biggest surprise for me, and, and while we're getting some other people up here to talk, 
biggest surprise for me has to be Mitch Lightfoot. Um, the fact that he is having the phenomenal big tournament that he has had so far um, is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Lug, I really am going to enjoy all the memes that we have now coming out of his reactions last night, the things that he's done. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of a debate as to what, what we need, uh, need to start calling Mitch at this point. Like there's the, I've actually seen three different names kind of thrown around. Jesse Newell threw out the, uh, the uh, March Lightfoot. And I've also seen um, Mitch Madness. And I'm, I don't actually remember what the other one is, but we'll get it. We'll, we'll get that at some point here. Um, let me see. I've invited a few people. No one's actually jumped up here yet. Where is everyone at? All right, guys. So what we're planning on doing today, honestly, is just uh, enjoying the moment. We've got a hopefully a fantastic game coming up between the Jayhawks and the Red Raiders. I want to get some some analysis here. I I'm going to be completely honest, even though I've watched them play multiple times, I am by no means an expert. Uh, here we go. I am, I am by no means an expert on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. So part of the reason to bring onto these guys in here is to make sure that we're actually talking about both of these teams, getting a realistic look at what it might be. Um, so let's go ahead. First of all, Albie, thank you for jumping up on the stage here. Let's, let's get from you before, before we dive in too deep. Let's just get an overview of Texas Tech. Uh, so far in the tournament here, what what have you seen from them, and and what are you most excited about today? So what I, I've seen two two staunch things. One, everybody knows it's the best defense in the country, right? The no middle defense has been absolutely fantastic. This is as good a defense Tex Tech has ever had in a string of incredible defenses we've had over the past six years. Like this defense is incredible. Flip side of that, the offense can be very frustrating. Right, like this is—I don't know another team that can go through stretches of not scoring went eight minutes without a bucket in last night's game and still won the game somehow, right? And so it's—it's the offense is very troubling and it has been troubling for the past like three weeks or so, or two or three weeks or so, Um, even more troubling than it was before. So that's that's cause for concern, but like the defense is just so incredible that you can withstand some stretches. I was talking earlier. And the first time Tech played Kansas, Kansas went eight minutes without scoring, right? Because of in, in because of how good the defense was, and just stopping some of the things that Kansas was able to do. Um, so this, I mean, this team is just just how good this team plays defense is exciting as hell. Uh, Tech fans, because and I was talking to this about when it came to Texas and beard leaving, is we will accept boring, ugly basketball if it equates to wins and last night was a very boring a very ugly just ugly second half uh but it equated to a win so we'll take it yeah for sure i i, I watched a good portion of that i'm going to be honest from, from covering the women's side i was a little exhausted last night didn't catch the very end of it so i think i missed most of the fun uh in terms of the the oklahoma comeback making it a little bit tighter and and making it more of a you know, good game compared to what it was in the first half. I know that, that can definitely be extremely um, nerve-wracking, to, you know, to have a huge lead and see your offense go absolutely cold. Kansas has done that multiple times this year, which unfortunately is not a great feeling to be living through and, and kind of waiting for all that to happen. So 
but I, I know that I know that uh, looking at what Texas Tech is able to do, um, because I, you know I've gone through all the Kansas stuff, but uh, main guys over on Texas Tech, like who are you looking for to step up in this game and and challenge some of the things that that Kansas has been able to do recently? So Bryson Williams is a bucket. He's he's going to be he's kind of the anchor of the team in that he's very consistent. Right, he's very. He's going to be able to get you points when needed. I think we we have recently relied on him a little too much, in my opinion. Um, but he he's there. I mean, he's whenever if he's able to get the ball deep into the paint, it's automatic too, right? And he is easily the most consistent player we have offensively. Um, Terrence Shannon is kind of the I don't I don't know how to explain him, right? So it's he really divides the fan base in a way. Um, I'm of the belief that we need Terrence Shannon to be Terrence Shannon to be that that bucket to be that uh, uh, go-getter uh, for us to make any type of, of run. We saw it in the, the first game uh, against Iowa State where Terrence Shannon was on it. He looked as healthy as he's looked in a long time, and Tech won in a blowout. And we can blow teams out when Terrence Shannon is on it. We can blow teams out when Kevin McCullough is on it, right? But then we saw in the game against Oklahoma, um, both of them struggled a little bit offensively, and that, that hurt us uh, offensively. And so those are, those are some other guys. When they're on, they're on. Um, Kevin O'Banner is another guy offensively that I, I when he's our best shooter and there's not really a close second. Um, first half was get got shots going. He scored, if I'm not mistaken, scored nine in the first half and was really had a good offensive showing. Second half kind of vanished, and so that's kind of the the, the with those three guys especially. That's really the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sh- show right there. They are Kevin McCullough is is good in, when it comes to really calming the offense down and distributing. So I'm not going to say he's not consistent, but Terrence Shannon and, and Kevin O'Bannon are very inconsistent. Some days they are on fire. Some days they're quiet. And games like last night's game, Kevin O'Bannon was both. So it's um, – but again, as some as inconsistent they are offensively, all of them are beasts on defensive side of the ball. There's been so many times where a guy like Adonis Arms – there was one play where Adonis – a game where Adonis Arms had one point yet was the most impactful player on the team just with doing everything else. And I, that's that's the thing where I'm like, as, as bad as the offense looks sometimes, they are, every player on this team is so good everywhere else that we can withstand some of the, the in, uh, inefficiencies we have on offense. Yeah, for sure. Texas Tech, um, I'm going to be honest, like looking at what they do, just with the way that you mentioned, you know, people kind of disappear. It is awfully reminiscent of Kansas earlier this season. Um, but that does make me wonder because we, we are still seeing that from Texas Tech. I kind of flipping over to the Kansas side. This has been a breakout last couple of games for guys like Mitch Lightfoot over for Kansas. Um, Remy Martin has been playing really well these last couple of games as well. And, and Kansas has gotten a lot more from their bench than I really expected. I think I expected coming into the Big 12 tournament that Kansas was going to tighten the rotation even more. I don't know how much of that is David McCormick. Trying to get you know, trying to get some rest for McCormick because of the foot issue he's been dealing with all year long. How much of that is trying to get some of these other guys going into the NCAA tournament? But this is usually the time where where Bill Self and honestly most coaches shrink the roster in terms of who actually gets to play. So I'm going to be interested to see how you know Kansas is able to try to frustrate O'Banner, try to frustrate Shannon, try to frustrate Williams, and really kind of push the advantage that they have with how free flowing this offense has been. You know, I, I I said in the in the preview that uh, you know I pointed out that Kansas is the number five offense overall according to Ken Palm. Texas Tech is the number one defense. 
Um, on the other side of the ball, like Kansas defense isn't anything special, ranked at 30th, but Tech's offense is like 59th, according to Ken Palm as of this morning, which means that really like the marquee matchup, what we're really looking for um, is really going to be how well does this Texas Tech defense, like how much can they actually stop what Kansas is trying to do? Or is Kansas going to have those big runs where they're able to, you know, score a whole bunch and can Texas Tech keep, keep up? I'm really interested to kind of see how all of that comes together. I am really, really curious about which players are actually going to be able to step up in this game. Well, I will say, like, there have been games where Tech's offense has been on. And when Tech's offense is on, like, we're, I'm not going to say we're unbeatable because I think one of the games that Tech's offense was on was a loss to Kansas. But it's we're, we're close to it, right? Like, we, we, when Tech's offense is on, it's, it, is, it is rough. And I don't think there's ever I – don't, I don't think there's been a game this year with the exception of maybe the second half against Oklahoma where Moja Gibson just decided to go supernova um, where Tech has kind of just been, been ran out of the building, right? So even if – even with Kansas offense able to break in tech a little bit, I don't think this is going to be a, a tight game. And I don't think there's really any anything that could happen on either side that's going to make it a blowout. Both teams are susceptible to letting other teams into games pretty pretty quickly and pretty easily, right? So, like, if I see a situation where Kansas is up ten in the first half, I'm I'm not going to be too nervous. But the flip side, if Tech's up ten in the in the second half, I'm still going to think ah, this it's going to happen at any second where a team comes comes in here. Um, uh, and if you don't mind, I do see RC, and I do want to get his opinion as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that um, all things considered, first of all, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, yeah, no yeah, problem. I, I think uh, I'll be brought it up um, in the sense that Texas Tech is super streaky. Um, I think every team in college basketball is streaky to some degree. Um, but Texas Tech, really the last half of the year has just – really the epitome of it um, in the sense that they'll go on eight plus minute scoring droughts, which they've done in two of their last three games. Um, obviously it cost them a win in Stillwater to end the regular season. And last night they somehow scored 19 points in the second half and decided to win a basketball game. Um, but I, I think, and you mentioned it too, in the sense of the rotation and everything um, it's weird because I, I wholeheartedly agree coaches and because history that's just what it says in terms of cutting down rotations. But you could argue Texas Tech has not done that whatsoever. You you see 11 guys play. I mean, Texas Tech has eight guys on their roster right now averaging 10-plus minutes. Um, and then there's, you know, a couple others sprinkled in there in terms of, you know, the Daniel Bachos of the world. K.J. Allen got a little bit of run as well. So this team is by far the deepest team in Texas Tech history um, in terms of talent. Now, is it the best team? Obviously, you don't want to compare it to 2019. Um, Kansas obviously has a multitude of teams like that in the past. But I think for me, when it comes down to today, and y'all mentioned it, you know, offense against defense, the thing that's going to change today is I think Mark Adams is going to basically say, screw it, I'm going to face guard Abaji. I'm not going to let this guy beat me who's averaging 31 points a game against Texas Tech this year. He's going to face guard him, and he's basically going to say, the other four guys on the court, whether that's David McCormick um, or whoever, you guys have to beat me because Abaji's not doing it. He's just not. And I think that that's what Texas Tech is going to come out today and do um, and try and bring David McCormick out to the perimeter. So guys like Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon Jr., Devion Warren have a little bit more space to operate in terms of cutting towards the basket um, and get easier looks because Texas Tech has struggled with that a little bit this year. But um, once you get David McCormick out to the perimeter, that's probably an ideal situation for the Red Raiders. And they'll have the opportunity to do that with, you know, 
one of the best players in the Big 12, a unanimous All-Big 12 selection. Well, the only other – there's only two, and one of them's on Kansas and the other one's on Texas Tech. And, of course, I'm talking about Bryson Williams. Yeah, I just wanted to say something real fast, too. Yeah, go ahead, Jerry. Um, so, if – um. Oh, Santos Silva, if he can lock down on um, um, Ochai Baji and if he can have a really good game, then it will be a close game. And I don't, and I think that KU will still win, but I don't, I don't think it will be another twenty-point win like we've seen these last three or two games. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that. Uh... Like, I I expect this to be a blowout one way or another. Like, even if Texas Tech is able to lock down Kansas' offense for any kind of stretch during this game, you know, Kansas is is explosive enough that all they really need is a three- or four-minute stretch where their offense is on. And even against a defense as good as Texas Tech's, I think that they can score some points and make a comeback. The question, I think, is going to be who's the most consistent. Um, I Kind of to your point, R.C., about locking down Abaji – you know, I, there are other teams that have tried to do that. Um, I'm thinking specifically against Texas. And, and while it ended up working out for them, I do think that it was um, some, some pretty bad gas by Kansas towards the end of that game that really allowed Texas to win, you know, when they were in Austin. It's not been super successful because they, there are a bunch of other guys that are able to step up. The question, of course, is just who is actually able to step up. I do have some other, some other Kansas guys. Uh, that I had brought on that, that I want to kind of get their opinion. Let's go ahead and uh, and bring up, let's see, Jayhawk Talk, if you're available, go ahead and jump on. I, I really want to get your thoughts about this game. Like, what are your initial impressions? Um, what are you, like, what are the keys that you're looking for in this one as as we get ready for, for tip-off here? And actually, looks like he has not jumped on yet. Let me just make sure that my invitations actually went out. <laughs> there we go. Here we go. Now he's now he's jumping on. Go right ahead, Jay. Hey, what's going on? We're driving down to the stadium right now. Awesome. So, so I mean, this this game, I, I know I've I've been hearing you talk all week, and of course, it's been a fantastic um, tournament so far for the Jayhawks. But when you're looking at this game, like, what are the keys that you're looking at, and and what do you think this game's ultimately going to come down to? Well, I mean, you guys have already kind of pointed to all the the top issues going into this game is it going to be a a defensive sluggish kind of game is it going to be an up-tempo game I mean obviously if you if you have the the former that's pretty good for uh KU or the latter pretty good for Texas Tech you know it'll probably be somewhere in between and and I I, I kind of look at this as a coin flip game it feels like a coin flip game maybe there will be a KU crowd in there that it gives us a, a a one or two point edge but I I think it's just going to be one of those games, the good news about it, at least for me and KU and KU fans, is there is zero pressure in this game. Like, I don't think whatever we do, I don't think it matters for seeding. Uh, we made it this far. You might as well win it. Uh, but it's it's sort of a zero pressure game. And we've seen the first two games, KU played pretty loose. Like, it feels all of a sudden like you're going into March with a maybe a pretty loose team, which is just a, that's an uncommon feeling for a KU fan. Uh, and maybe even a, a lower expectations sort of situation, which is also kind of a, a new thing for a KU fan. So I guess what I'm kind of landing on is I'm, I'm looking forward to just a good game, like fun game. 
Uh, I'm hoping it's just a, you know, we see two good teams playing at the top basketball, which both of them have been. Uh, I will say this. I'm not sure how much Dave is going to play. I, this could be a Mitch Lightfoot game again. And, folks, if he gets 10 points, is it is it all Big 12 tournament first team Mitch Lightfoot? I mean, I'm I'm going to be honest. I At this point, I think he's a good candidate for MOP of the tournament, okay. the way that he's come on. Easy now. I Easy understand. Now. No, okay, 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 look, look, look. I understand that Ochai Baji has some gaudy total. But if you look at what Mitch Lightfoot has done, the way he's played defensively as well, I think that's a lot, like a huge improvement off of what was expected. And let's be completely honest, that award doesn't necessarily go to who plays the best, but who has the biggest impact on a particular game. And I think just the way that he's been able to play on the inside has been a gigantic impact. Obviously, he's going to have to have another phenomenal game. I think think if he had the – the bar's a lot lower for a guy like Abaji to get it or, you know, some of these other stars because they are the stars of their team. But I definitely think that Miss Lightfoot is at least in the conversation for that. And if it stands right now, like, yeah, I have a hard time seeing him not being on the all-tournament team. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Six-year senior, super-duper-duper duper senior Mitch Lightfoot. Most outstanding player. I would I would sign up for that right now. All right, guys. You know, it's, it's kind of, it, go ahead. You sicken me, Mitch Lightfoot MOP. Uh, oh come uh, on! <laughs> <laughs> you know when it happens. When it I'll be, I'll be. When it happens, I am going to like hold that over your head for a really long time. You know that, right? Oh, oh it, it's it's going to if it happens, it's because the Big Twelve, like always, just hates me personally. You know, you know, I I just I'm you know I'm not a Mitch Lightfoot guy. You know, I know he's a uh, I know he's a hard worker. I know he's a uh, you know real uh really really uh grinder you know a, a good good all-american kid but uh not a fan not a fan give it give it to anybody else i didn't like he put up 15 points yesterday i'm not gonna lie to you i wish it happened to somebody else wish it happened to christian braun i don't like christian braun or brown brown i guess is how you pronounce his name yep yeah no I, I, honestly now that you've said that now that i know how just just how much it irks you i am really hoping that mitchell goes off for like 20 points tonight um, that would be absolutely fantastic. That would make this day. If Kansas lost, that would make this day absolutely perfect. If Mitch Lightfoot goes off for twenty points, just to irritate you. Uh, so disgusting. <laughs> All right. Uh, one, one other guy, Rock Chalk Blog. If, if you can jump on, I, I want to get your thoughts um, as well. I mean, this this particular game. Is there a player that you're most surprised by so far in this tournament, other than Mitch Lightfoot? I believe. I was going to say, because the answer has to be Mitch Lightfoot up top, um, which on that point, I agreed to do a haiku of Mitch Lightfoot if he scores 10 points in every tournament game. So that's on the line if you're interested at the beginning of the next inside the paint. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. Most surprising. Um, maybe in the reverse way, Dave McCormick, just in that I mean, he's been injured, uh, but he's not played super well. Um, and he had been playing decently better at the end of the season, um, really throughout the backhand conference play. And it was also really nice to see Remy Martin get back to uh, double-digit scoring for the first time in months. Uh, that was a, a really nice thing to see from Kansas yesterday against TCU. Um, I mean, Mitch Lightfoot is the obvious one, and I'm a Remy homer, so we'll say Remy. Why not? He's the most surprising. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me it's definitely Remy on the on the Kansas side. Obviously, Mitch Lightfoot is the most surprising, but I don't think anybody really expected Remy Martin to finally get it put together to the point where he is, you know, one of the – I mean – he, he was one of the better point guards on the roster just because there's 
you know, there's three of them and, and I would have to put Martin above Yasufu, but I didn't expect him to get almost even minutes with Harris so far to your, to your point about McCormick. I, I don't know that I was necessarily that surprised. Bill Self did say going into this week that they were going to look to rest McCormick at any, you know, option available that like, especially in the first game, don't expect him to either play or play very much because they're going to go with other options to make sure that McCormick's as healthy as possible. And then in, in yesterday's game against TCU, like, Mitch was just on. McCormick didn't really need to do much. They didn't need to get a lot from him. He also was in foul trouble pretty early in that, in that second half. And with how just, you know, on fire Mitch Lightfoot was, I don't think that they really needed to go back and worry about McCormick trying to get going in that game because the score, the, the way it was. So I don't know that I'm necessarily that, that concerned about it. But, uh, hey, Drake, go, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, I do believe – if KU wins this game, they'll walk in a number one seed. Yeah, for sure. I, I actually think they might already be locked into a number one seed. But and I was planning on talking about that in a little bit later. Before we before we jump over to something like that, I, I want to get other questions people have. So if if you do have a question, if you have a comment you want to make, something that we've already talked about, feel free to request. Um, Drake, if I can get you to go ahead and jump off, so we can make sure we have plenty of room for other people uh, okay. that that, that want to come in with some additional comments, but. Let's let's jump back to this game because like going through, you know, the Texas Tech side, I'm going to be honest, I, you know, I, I try to keep up as much as I can because of what I do over there with the 1012 podcast and, and talk about all the teams that we have. But there are definitely some players on this Texas Tech team that I, I don't know if I'm just, uh, I don't know, like not watching as much or I, I feel like there's some mixed, uh, some mixed opinions about a guy like Adonis Arms. So I'll be, I I want to go to you. What are like, what's the story with him? He seems to, to jump up there quite a bit, but then there's other times where it's like, uh, you know, I I want to see more from him. Like what's the the thought process there? And do you expect him to kind of be a guy that's going to have a big game here? Well, I mean, I feel like with arms, there's usually not much required of him offensively, right? Because we don't, hold on. We don't, we don't really like the offense doesn't always flow through him. He's kind of, he, so he's, he's not really uh, somebody that's going to be the main primary scorer. Uh, but with arms, he always makes some type of impact, right? Like he's always, he's always, like I mentioned it earlier where he had that game where he put up one point was the most impactful person. In the court. I think that same game, he had like nine rebounds, five assists. Like he's always going to make an impact somewhere. It just may not always be offensively. Right. But if his shot is on, if his shot is on, then then watch out. Like if he, if he has his three pointer going, which isn't always every game, but if he has three point go, pointer going, well then he's liable to put up 12, 15 points, right? And he's but because he's not always the guy that's gonna necessarily take the ball offensively, he's not one to he's not at his best when he's playing in an ISO game or anything like that. He's really more on his best when he's catching and driving or he's kind of having a a, 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 a two-man game with somebody else. Because of that, you're not usually keying in on him. So when he is having a good game, that's really when he can exploit exploit the uh, opposing defense. Um, but I, I feel like with arms isn't really – that polarizing of a player when it comes to anywhere a tech fan base, I think for the most part we 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 love him when he's having a good game because he's always making an impact somewhere. I think really the player that usually has fans split is like I, I mentioned Terrence Shannon earlier in the space. Um, another player that kind of has uh, 
the fan base split sometimes. Like Clarence Adani, who's a fantastic defender, but he's a little bit of a bull in the china shop, right? Like Clarence Adani is a guy that he's a, he's been the backup point guard. He's actually gotten more minutes in the past month, but he's a guy that if he he may have the ball offensively, but like you don't want him to shoot the ball, right? If he gets the ball and he's driving, he, he could easily let, uh, turn uh, become a turnover. But he's such a high energy you know, pump the crowd up type of player that it, he's hard to dislike, but sometimes he does just a little too much. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, uh, but RC brought it up. I mean, we are, we do legitimately go 10 deep. And so every game, you know, and that's where I, I think sometimes it's, I think a lot of that has to do with injuries. We still have three guys that are still on a hundred percent and, and McCuller, Shannon and, and Bacho. Um, I think some of that also has to do with some of the offensive, uh, inefficiency so you're trying to find somebody to get it going i think we had a game a few weeks where it was nadalny and he made a three which is amazing and so like it's okay well nadalny's uh i think it was rc tell me if i'm wrong i think it was against texas if i'm not mistaken my memories my memories are crap right now but uh had his career game yeah when he had his career game yeah yeah and so so it's games it's games like that where sometimes you go 10 deep because it's it's somebody has to score so who's it going to be it's going to be nadalny this game it's going to be arms this game um, you know, and so it's, it's, uh, but I, it's, I, I, I've said it all season. If Tech's going to make a run, not just in the Big 12 tournament, but in the NCAA tournament, we, we got to have Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon has to be Terrence Shannon. He has to be the NBA draft prospect that he is. Um, and we saw it against Iowa State, but we didn't see it against Oklahoma. And if we see it against Kansas, Tech has a really good shot at winning this game. If we don't see it, it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah. I'm, I'm honestly surprised you talked about them going 10 deep because of, reasons other than just how intense the defensive pressure usually is like it seems to me like texas tech is always running around and flying around the court on defense which naturally just requires more people so that you don't get completely worn out and tired by the end of the game um i i would be or i should say i'm i'm just surprised to hear that that's not like the number one reason why tech has to go 10 deep at this point but uh it has to do with injuries more than anything to be honest like it's okay yeah mccullough mccullough's still limping right i mean they they haven't been healthy all year I mean, this yeah. is the first time that they've been completely healthy all year. I mean, you're seeing them literally the first time all year that you can even feasibly say that Texas Tech is remotely close to healthy as the first two games of the Big 12 tournament, which is either super scary um, or obviously they're not going to have enough time to get back in the mold and, you know, figure out everything in terms of uh, building that camaraderie and everything on the court. But, I mean, yeah – I'll be nailed it. I mean, like the biggest thing for Texas tech so far this year. And I think it's a testament to that depth is they've been injured. Their two best players, at least coming into the year. I mean, Terrence Shannon jr. Was a first round draft pick kind of guy. And he has not lived up to expectations, mostly due to a back injury. Kevin McCullough has hurt both of his ankles now. Um, and is still um, really trying to get back to a hundred percent after stepping on Jamie Dixon's foot and, I know some tech fans will say that uh, Jamie Dixon shouldn't have been on the court. It was an accident. It's all right. Um, but I, I think that's the big thing, too, is, you know, he mentioned Bacho um, being injured. I mean, like, yeah, Texas Tech typically um, does have a lot of guys in terms of, you know, the talent level. But you, you could legitimately look at this team. And it's crazy because last night they played 11 guys. Um Buzo came into the game and he doesn't really get as much run as uh, other guys. He plays about six minutes per game. But then when Bacho was out, KJ Allen played well, except for a bad second half against OU. I mean, this team is literally the deepest team Texas Tech has ever had. And it's either scary or, oh my goodness, they're not going to have enough time um, to figure things out offensively. But this is the most healthy Texas Tech has been all year. 
And you can tell because who Albies mentioned numerous times now, Terrence Shannon Jr. And if Terrence Shannon Jr. is playing at the level that everybody expected him to play at coming into the year, remember he was a preseason first team, all big 12 teamer. Um, Texas Tech ceiling goes two or three floors higher um, in terms of what could potentially happen for Texas Tech long-term. Yeah, and I think it's funny because RCB, um, Roger earlier was talking about how Kansas is playing loose, and I agree. Like, y'all are playing extremely loose right now. The first two games was very free-flowing for y'all. It's very different for Tech, but not because of seeding or positioning or anything like that. I think we're Tech fans that are on this space, I think we are firmly a three seed. I know some people are still praying we get a two if we beat Kansas today. I don't really think it matters in my opinion. I think we're firmly a three seed. But I think it has more to do with we have to have – we didn't end the season very strongly at all. I mean, we're two – you know, Kansas got to share the Big 12 championships. We're two layups away from – a layup in the TCU game and a layup in the uh, um, Oklahoma State game away from also getting a share of the Big 12 championship. But those last three games of the season weren't – including the home game against Kansas State, were not fun games to watch. We're not very – those are not games that make you feel comfortable about the team. So getting in this Big 12 tournament, it's not – it hasn't really been – it hasn't been a no-pressure situation because you don't want to end the season going into the NCAA tournament like we had before this. So, so Iowa State was great because everything was more free-flowing. Kevin McCullough's back. He's doing things that a point guard should be doing as far as having a free-flow. That no-look, one-handed pass to – uh, Terrell Banner was absolutely beautiful, but we needed this Big Twelve tournament. And and regardless, I think the, both games we needed both the game against um, Iowa State and the game against Oklahoma two wins to at least have something positive going into. Well, you they just needed Kansas time on the side. court to actually play together. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like you would you would agree with that too? I'll be yeah. Right. Well, yeah. So it's funny because RC RC was the one that nailed it before in a, in a space we had like a week ago where we talked about that, and I was I, I was kind of I've kind of been on team rest the players, but it's having that camaraderie, having that situation where they're playing together, they're actually gelling is going to be so much more important for our NCAA tournament. To where on Kansas side, it's ah well you know whatever it's we just we just out here having fun, playing games, whooping up on teams. You know what I'm saying? Hey, you want you want you want buckets? You know what I'm saying? Lightfoot, you want to grab 15 real quick? You know what I mean? So, well, it's 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 kind of one of those things. Kansas is you know used to the Big 12 tournament, not necessarily making a big deal for them. So the fact they can go in a little freer, um, usually like they they lost to TCU in the quarterfinals one year because they literally rested like pretty much everybody because it didn't matter. Like they were either going to be a one or a two. They were going to go where they wanted to go. Like it wasn't a huge deal to them. Um, that's just what Kansas is used to. And I think a lot of fans are kind of used to writing off the big 12 tournament in terms of important because usually the focus is, you know, March madness and the, and like the only time you would ever really worry about it too much is if you need to build that momentum you know, to go into, to feel good about, but the way that they finished the season, you know, finishing first in, in the big 12 conference, I don't think a lot of fans were necessarily that worried about it. And you could tell that the team isn't necessarily too worried about it either. Cause they think they're in a really, really good position. All right, I want to get Zach up here. Cause he, he's been waiting a while. Zach, what do you got for us? Yeah. So I have two questions. One's a quick one. One's a longer one after. So last night you kind of saw Remy, not only play really well, but also just kind of look like he was having legitimate fun out there, which I think is really important. Um, so after a game last night, and let's say hypothetically we beat Tech tonight and Remy again looks good, how do you guys feel about our chances in the NCAA tournament? Because my opinion is, like, I'm a huge Kansas fan, just graduated last year, 
I'm also a realist. My opinion from day one is that, and still kind of my opinion is, I don't think we have a chance of winning the NCAA tournament. The reason being is because I don't think much has changed since last year. Like last year, you know, we didn't have a chance against USC and Bill Self said after the game, like we need to get longer, more athletic, bigger. And we just didn't. And I don't think, you know, having Dave McCormick as our best big man is really going to propel us towards a championship. And I also just don't think we have enough playmakers. Like I think Ochai would have to just completely go off over the course of the entire tournament. And I don't think he can really do that. Maybe he can, but you know, so again, so I guess my question is like, do you guys think we have a chance of winning the championship? We whoop on tech tonight and Remy looks really good. And then my quick question was be, do you guys like the over or under for this game? The over under is one thirty four and a half. What are your thoughts? So Andy, real quick before you before you answer, I I did yeah, want to say one thing. Um, so before the season began, Kansas was my Final Four pick. I, I just loved this team. I thought they were one of the best teams in the country. I thought they were actually. I think y'all were like a preseason like number eight. I thought that was. I thought y'all were under under uh, rated from the very beginning. I was pretty high on this Kansas team, and I still kind of am. Um, but just like I, I and, and Andy, you may disagree with me. Just like I've said, as far as with Terrence Shannon, Tech needing Terrence Shannon to go far in the tournament, I think you need David McCormick needs to be healthy because he is your only true big man. And I, the healthier Dave McCormick is, the better chance you have of going back to the Final Four, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that it's one of those things where, like, McCormick has to has to be good. And and really, like, what Kansas ran into last year, because because we talk about how they were. Um, you know, just overpowered and the fact that they weren't super athletic. I do think that a lot of people underestimate just how much David McCormick was affected by testing positive for COVID. Um, you know, coming back, we, we saw that with Baylor last year when they had a whole, you know, a big break because of a bunch of players getting COVID. Um, we have to remember that David McCormick tested positive for COVID and came back for that game, you know. Um, so, like, it's difficult to come back immediately and be just as effective as normal. Yes, Kansas does have an issue where they're not quite as athletic as you would hope to be, um, you know, as strong as you would hope that they would be. But I don't know that they necessarily needed to completely overhaul the roster. They added a lot of pieces. And I think the biggest complaint that we had, you know, throughout most of the season is just the fact that Bill Self didn't really incorporate a lot of those pieces. I think part of it was just they had trouble picking up what it is that Self wanted to do. And Self naturally kind of just trust the guys that have been there forever. So it's, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where I don't know that I'm super worried. I also don't know how many teams there are, with the exception of like a Kentucky, that are just that much more athletic than Kansas. Um, and so if, if Kansas is on and you have those guards and, and everybody knows that guard play is what determines success typically in the NCAA tournament, uh, like I don't know that I'm necessarily that worried. Yeah, if they run up against a horrible matchup, it's going to be a horrible matchup, but there's not much that you can do regardless if if that's really the case. So I mean, I, I feel like Kansas is probably still should be one of the favorites to go to the Final Four this year just because of how well they have played, how good that offense is. You have a National Player of the Year candidate. You have a, a really deep bench, a whole bunch of guys that are really, really good. And so I, I think that most Kansas fans should be just fine. I mean, we'll, we'll look at the matchups, and I'm sure that we'll see a matchup that we'll all, you know, worry about and fret about. And I'm sure that Texas Tech is going to run into a similar sort of thing where – You'll look at the matchups and everybody's going to want to talk about how they got screwed by getting matched up with a particular team. But I just think that, you know, I'm not necessarily too worried about it. I think kind of to to turn it over to Texas Tech as well, you know, just how strong that defense is. It does a lot of things to a lot of teams. 
And I think we almost take for granted, you know, just how good the Texas Tech defense is because there's so many good defensive teams in the Big 12 tournament. I think once we get, I'm sorry, in the Big 12, once we get to the NCAA tournament, though, there's going to be a lot of teams that, you know, teams like Tech are going to face up against uh, that, that have never seen something as strong defensively as what Tech can give. And so I do think that the Big 12 as a whole, um, you know, and specifically these two teams are well set up for deep runs in the NCAA tournament. It's just a matter of do they get the right matchup and are they able to do it? Um, Albie or, or RC or even Rock Chalk Blog, any, any thoughts about any of that before we jump over to the, to the over-under question? Yeah, I think, Zach, a couple weeks ago I would have agreed with you that I didn't think KU had a great chance or maybe no chance to win a national title, specifically coming off the TCU game, uh, the loss in Fort Worth. Um, the couple games after that, they didn't look uh, particularly great either. But as I'm sitting here watching Kentucky lose to Tennessee and, you know, watching Illinois and Wisconsin go down yesterday, like, I don't think there's a team that's especially super scary. Yes, there's a couple bad matchups. Kentucky's a bad matchup. I think Duke, with their athleticism and speed, might be a bad matchup. There's a couple others, but I don't think there's one team in particular that you look at that, like last year, you know, you had Gonzaga, you had Baylor, everyone chasing them. That's not at all the case this year. So I think Kansas, if they actually can, you know, hit their stride, and I think tonight's game is going to be a huge litmus test for that, if they can actually hit their stride, I think absolutely, they they could absolutely contend for a Final Four in a natty. And, and also, just a note, Kentucky right now is down by 13 to Tennessee. So even teams like Kentucky are not infallible when it comes to finding a bad matchup or having an off night. Yeah, and Kentucky and Tennessee is not an athletic team at all either. So it's it's so I you know I, I think anything can happen. There is you're right. There is no um, there's no 2021 Baylor, no 2021 Gonzaga, uh, and and not only not only that, but with, for Kansas anyway on the Kansas side of things, having Ochai Ogbaji is so, like that's so valuable, right? Most NCAA national championship teams have a guy that can just. When push comes to shove, five minutes to go in the game, we need somebody to take over. Boom. Gonzaga last year had a Jalen Suggs. And Baylor had Davion Mitchell. Y'all have Ochai Agbaji. Um, I do think that's one fault right now that Tech doesn't have, right? we it, I've, I've been of the belief all year that probably needs to be Terrence Shannon. Terrence Shannon hasn't really done it whatsoever this year. And, and there's really nobody else. I mean, Bryson Williams has kind of tried to be that guy. But at the same time, Biggs being your, your clutch matchup doesn't really work well in that situation so I think in that advantage Kansas has a pretty big advantage go ahead RC Albie's absolutely right like it has to be Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, if Texas Tech again wants to reach their ceiling and you know obviously Abaji's in a class of his own when it comes to Big 12 guards um, in my opinion but Terrence Shannon Jr. has the potential to do it he has um, the skills to do it the problem with TJ is you can tell very early on if he's going to have a good or bad night. If he makes his first couple of shots, all right, you're going to see, you know, that first-round draft pick, Terrence Shannon, um, that everybody thought when he first came to Texas Tech from IMG Academy. But if he starts out slow, you're going to see him make some of the dumbest basketball decisions you've ever seen because he's pressing. And that's the thing that's just he, – he struggles with that um, the most. But I, I absolutely agree with Albie um, in the sense that Texas Tech doesn't really have that guy right now. I guess you could say it's Bryson Williams. But the problem with that is um, you can easily take away a big. You, 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 it's yeah. so much more difficult to take away a guard. Um, and Terrence Shannon isn't a guard. He's a forward. But I think he has to be that guy for Texas Tech. The only other guy 
that can do that for Texas Tech, and this might be like surprising and maybe a little bit of a hot take, but it's Devion Warren. I think uh, Devion Warren can be that guy, and the reason being is we've seen what he can do at a high level. Um, maybe not scoring in the same, you know, Power Five conference like the Big Twelve, but he was a top ten scorer in all of college basketball last year at Hampton. I get it; it's not the Big Twelve, but he has the skills, the experience to beat you off the dribble, make correct decisions, and he is a tough shot maker. And that's something that Texas Tech doesn't have a lot of um, on their roster right now. So if it's not Terrence Shannon, it has to be Devion Warren. And if it's not one of those two options, I mean, Tech's probably in a, for a world of hurt. So Devion Warren is actually – I'm so glad you brought him up, RC, because that's – when you were when you were building it up, I was like, he has to be talking about Davion Warren. Because with <laughs> Davion, Davion – He's had actually a really good last month. I think he's had like he's the bucket, best last man. month. He's a bucket the entire season. I think really where that has grown for him is he stopped trying to trying to play on the perimeter so much, mm-hmm. right? He's a lot better when he is not just driving but also hitting mid ranges. His mid range shot is actually automatic, but he hadn't been shooting them up until maybe three weeks ago. And so, like, it's whenever he kind of gets into a groove, similar to TJ Shannon, similar to most of the players, yeah. like, but whenever he gets into a groove. He he absolutely can be a game changer. I mean, he helped. Both of the last two wins we've had in the close games with the with the offense wasn't there. Both Oklahoma and Kansas State, he was the only green, you know, the only uh, positive thing there going. So it's yeah. it's and and especially in games where the offense gets tight, he has kind of been recently the the guy that shows up a little bit more when everybody else falters. So I I think Davion Warren's a great a great uh, mention here. All right, so so let's go ahead and jump to the other question real quick. The over under. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first here because I'm not really sure. Like, I think this is the perfect place to put it. And it's really going to depend on which team is able to kind of exert their will. Um, I mean, Texas Tech, as you know, I'm looking, I'm looking, actually looking at the scores for the first two games for them. Like, <laughs> they had, let's see, 111 points in one and then 113 points in the other. Like, that's, really low amounts, which you would expect with a, a team, you know, that has a defense as good as what Texas Tech has. Um, whereas Kansas kind of blew over uh, in both of their games. And and a lot of that, I think, had to do with just how well Kansas was playing offensively. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not a team, Kansas, that will hold their opponent to, you know, 40 or 50 points. They, they are ones that much prefer to have a faster pace, which, which leads to giving up points, um, at least – giving up a, a decent number of points. If I'm going to, if I'm going to have to make a pick on it though, I probably would lean over just because I think that the, the, the speed that Kansas wants to play the game at and the fact that, you know, Texas tech is prone to turning the ball over quite a bit, which would allow Kansas to get those run outs. Um, you know, I think that that's going to have a big part in driving the, the pace of the game. I'm not saying that Texas tech isn't going to be able to, you know, force turnovers from Kansas the same amount. Uh, I'm just – I do think it's going to be an instance where there's going to be a lot more sc- scoring off of turnovers at this game than we're used to seeing from Texas Tech, which means that, that this is going to drive that score up, I think, and, and at least be able to get it over the over by just a little bit. Push the over, baby. Both games that Tech and Kansas played easily hit the over. The second game, even in regulation, hit the over. And I agree 100% with what Andy was saying. Kansas is going to try to push – push the push the pace of this game in general and and tech loves breakouts tech likes getting out and running it's one of the uh, even in the first half against oklahoma one of the big reasons why tech was able to go out to a uh, 10 12 point lead was because off of turnovers off of long rebounds we were able to bust out and kansas is going to give us that opportunity so i would i would absolutely 
hit the over. Actually, thanks for reminding me. I need to put that place that bet right now. Put it over. <laughs> I was trying to look and see what the what the record was uh, in terms of Kansas on overs for the year, but I wasn't able to actually find it. Unfortunately, I'll I'll keep looking. Go ahead, RC. Yeah, for my day job, shameless plug, I do uh, sports betting um, on the side while covering Texas Tech, and I uh, I put the over for this game. Avi already mentioned it. Both games did have the over um, so far this season, and I think with Texas Tech, it's this. You know, when they need to have offense, they've proven that they can do it. Um, just the other team has to prove it first, and I don't understand that philosophy, but if you look at when Texas Tech scores this year at a very high rate, the other team scores at a very high rate, too. It's almost like a blow-for-blow boxing match, which I guess is appropriate with Mark Adams' background. Um, But, yeah, I I would smash the over on this one in the sense that, you know, you look at it right now in terms of where it's set, and I see right now it's set at 133.5, and then the other book that I see is 134.5. I'd be kind of surprised if this doesn't get to the 140 mark. So um, I think that it'll be super close game as the spread shows right now. It's two. Um, on one book and then two and a half at KU uh, for KU on another book, um, both for KU's favor, I guess, just two points and two and a half. Um, I, I'm definitely taking the over, though, um, in terms of that 133 and a half or 134 and a half. I, if I had to guess, I'd probably say we're going to be in that 142 to 147 range. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that as well. Texas Tech, like you guys were saying, when they want to score, they can score a lot. And that's when they're at the most dangerous, I think, is when their offense can play really well. And obviously, we all know Kansas, they like to get out and they like to run. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think we're definitely hitting the 140s. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that Kansas likes to play at a faster pace and score more. So, all right, Zach, Zach thank you so much. Uh, Brady, you're up now. What do you got for us? Yeah, um, so based off of watching – us play Texas Tech the last two times, Bryson Williams has completely killed us. Just absolutely killed us. We couldn't guard him, made every shot, especially in Allen Fieldhouse. He had like 35 points or whatever it was. So we need to definitely, I think, focus on making sure he is not just open all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think that that's the person I'm the most worried about. Exactly. If we're really talking about it here, um, I'll be, or RC, I mean, anything specifically about about Bryson that really lends itself to performing so well against the Jayhawks, or is that just the way that he is for this team? So I'm very curious in this game. As I look at the second game more than anything, I think the second game will tell tell tells me a lot about this game more than anything else because um, Agbaji in the in the, the game in Allen Fieldhouse, Agbaji went off in the first half, and RC kind of mentioned some of the things that Tech needs to do. Uh, overall to make sure, like, face guarding Agbaji and making sure he doesn't kill us again. And they did that in the second half. Remember, Agbaji didn't really have much to do in the last, like, 10 minutes. It's a big reason now, big reason why Tech was able to come back, because for 10 minutes, Agbaji barely touched the ball. Flip side of that, right, Bryson Williams was, was killing Kansas, and then really in that over, the at very end of the, of the second half and in that, over, that second overtime, Bryson Williams couldn't touch the ball. If he tried, Mitch Lightfoot was all over him. Uh, I can't remember. It wasn't McCormick, but I can't remember another big that y'all had. KJ Adams. Yeah, KJ Adams all over him. It was really tough for Bryson Williams to get the ball. And I think both of those two things continue in this game, right? I think both Coach Self and Coach Adams looked at what worked in that last game. And those are two things that both worked. And I think just like Coach Adams is probably going to look at it and say, we cannot get killed by Agbaji again. 
Coach Self's probably going to do the same thing. So I think both teams are going to have to think of who else can step up if our main guy gets put down. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. I, I like I mentioned earlier in the spaces, I think that Abaji is going to be face guarded. I think Bryson Williams is going to see a crap ton of double teams tonight, especially if he's on the block. Um, you know, David McCormick is obviously bigger um, than Bryson Williams, who only stands at six eight. But we've seen again, like you talked about earlier, Brady, where he's just dominated KU this year. I think that they're yep. going to have to try something else which I think is a lot of double teams. And I will say this, Bryson Williams is very hit or miss when it comes to double teams. He's either really, really good against them or Tech is going to turn the ball over like in that, you know, 16 to 19 range because he he gets a little careless sometimes as a double teams. But if he's on and KU does, in fact, try to double him on the block, um, it, it could it could be a long night, especially with you when you have guys that are, slowly start, starting to find that shooting rhythm like Kevin McCuller, Terrence Shannon Jr., Devion Warren, and uh, Kevin O'Banner as well, who we all know lit up March Madness last year. Our big mistake, I think, Coastal would be making is trying to send McCormick out there one-on-one against Williams because every single time Bryson has seen You're McCormick talking down on the, the other block, side. Yeah, yeah, or he's yeah, he's absolutely eating McCormick for yeah. for for lunch every single time. Well, I, I think, right, he kind of like I, I think on the Williams front, like if you want to capitalize, like you got to bring McCormick out, right? And, and Williams can beat you either way at that point. You know what I mean? Like because we've seen Albi this year with Bryson Williams, where you know he's not the most graceful off the dribble, but he can beat you on the block. He can beat you with that one st- with one dri- power dribble, get to the rim, finish through contact, but. He can also shoot from deep. I mean, he's a 42% three-point shooter. So if you can get David McCormick kind of back on his heels a little bit, where he's already not feeling great, he's a little injured. But, hey, if he's on the court, you got to capitalize if you're Texas Tech. I mean, yeah, if, they no, don't, I think if, they, on the te- if they don't double, that that that's kind of crazy to me. I, I fully expect Bryson Williams to get doubled a lot tonight, a lot. Well, and also I think the primary defender, and I think Brady said his name was K- is it, is it KJ Adams. Last time they, they did a great job of guarding in the second half. I think he yeah, was yeah. KJ Adams late in that game. And yeah, he, yeah, he was their best defender. or He was Kansas' best defender on Bryson. He did a best, great job of denying him the ball frequently. And then whenever Bryson did get the ball, it, the double came, right? And usually it was it was Mitch. Sometimes it was Agbaji that came off to, to come help. But Adams did a fantastic job on that. I just don't think you can look – if you're Kansas – you cannot have McCormick be one on one with with Bryson, or it's it's. I don't want to call it an automatic two, but in this in the game in Allen Fieldhouse, it kind of felt like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely curious to see what what Kansas does because you're right that one McCormick hasn't been playing very much or as well of late. I fully expect McCormick of late being during the tournament. So, like, I expect McCormick is going to play in this game quite extensively. Um, you know, unless Mitch Lightfoot just completely plays out of his mind here. I, I agree though, like McCormick is having is having trouble or will have trouble with, with Bryson Williams if they play one on one. Kansas does a lot of helping on defense though. Um especially when there's a you know, you know that there's gonna be an issue trying to play straight up like that. I think that that's what they prefer to do is just play straight up. But Kansas has it does a lot in terms of trying to kind of shuffle people around. Mitch Lightfoot especially is very elite at doing that. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see, you know, how much Lightfoot plays, what what he does against Williams, especially pretty early, because I'm just not sure what the plan is going to be. Yes, so you can bring in a, in KJ Adams potentially. I actually think that 
especially if if uh, they try to bring Bryson Williams out, that a guy like Zach Clement, uh, who didn't get an opportunity to play in, in the, the, the first game, because I believe he still had a walking boot on at that point, um, or, or maybe I have them backwards. You know what? He didn't play in the second game. He did play in the first game. Uh, you know, he had a he had a little bit in terms of he actually played nine minutes in the first game. So I, I must have had them switch. But, you know, he got an offensive rebound, a block and a steal. So he, he was effective in what he was doing. The question when I don't know, I didn't go back and actually watch it is, you know, how much did did uh, Bryson Williams actually get to score over him? Um, I have a feeling, though, like skill set that Clements you know, matches up pretty well with him. It's just a matter of can he actually execute and do what they need to do to kind of chip and, and keep Williams from, from really going off. I'll say this too. I mean, I, there's little to no chance Bryson Williams shoots four for four from three again and goes 14 of 19 from the field. Um, I don't think that happens. Um, and I don't think Abaji makes seven threes. Um, they're, they're going to come like, I, I think both of those things can be fairly stated. It's probably not going to happen. Um, but again, I, I think what this comes down to is obviously Bill Self, Hall of Fame coach, Mark Adams is a defensive genius. It's really going to come down to, in my opinion, um, yeah, this, the, you know, the side pieces in terms of like the, the Christian bronze of the world or um, the Kevin McCullers, but which star scores the most and which coach finds a way quicker in this matchup to beat whatever the game plan was coming in against their star. So how does Mark Adams and really not even Mark Adams, if we're talking on offense, this is going to be more Barrett Peary. Um, how does he get Bryson Williams more involved? And then on the other side, how do you beat whatever Texas Tech is throwing at Ojai Abaji? And I know you mentioned it earlier in the sense that teams have struggled uh, or Kansas has capitalized, I guess you should say, um, when Abaji is face guarded and you brought up Texas, I'll say this. I, and this isn't to, well, this is a Kansas and Texas tech thing. We can talk shit about Texas all we want, I guess. Right. Um, they, they, they do not hold, they're not in the same category as Texas tech when it comes to defense and matchups and everything like that. Coach Beard's a great coach. That's fine. But when it comes to one through 10, they do not, they're not even in the conversation of what Texas tech does defensively. And, and that's not to say that, Abaji um, can't beat Texas Tech. We've already seen it. Um, but I fully expect them to face guard him tonight and just be like, all right, seriously, um, if Christian Braun beats us, congratulations. If David McCormick beats us, congratulations. But I, I can literally assure you from everything that Mark Adams has said um, after the game last night, Ojai Abaji will have every opportunity um, to have multiple people in his face and at least one at all times, and that person will not be paying attention to anything else defensively. I, I am kind of curious because you, you did talk about Abaji not getting, you know, seven threes, but the first matchup he had six. So it's, it's not like it's, you know, it, it was a one-time occurrence where he no just doubt. went off. He, he was six of nine from three in the first one. And so I, while I definitely think Abaji has cooled off in general from three since then, a lot of that probably has been him forcing it, um, you know, as the rest of the offense hasn't really had a consistent guy that could really kind of be that, that second uh, scorer for him and so he was forcing a lot of shots especially against like TCU and Texas and and Baylor to to end the year I am I am curious though you know how effective it is to kind of face guard him and how much does that actually have to change if some of the other guys get going if, if Christian Brown finally has that breakout offensive game where you know he scores you know 
13 points in the in, in the first 25 minutes of the game or something like that, does that pull some of that defense off of Abaji? Because, you know, if, if, if Wilson is, is able to use the extra spacing that comes from face guarding Abaji to really slash in the lane to cause some problems, get some guys in foul trouble, or really just start scoring the, the way that he's shown the ability to be able to do that, you know, does that change the way that Texas Tech has to play defense? You can talk about taking away the best score you know, on the, on the Jayhawks all you want, but with so many other options that they have, the real question I think becomes how quickly can the rest of the team become effective, which is going to then necessitate Texas Tech changing the game plan and opening up those opportunities for Abaji. And then once he gets any kind of daylight, if Abaji can start knocking down shots, then it's, then it's a real big issue. Um, at, at that point, I don't know how Texas Tech keeps up. The real question I think just becomes who gets to, make the game the way that they want to play first. Because while, while both of these teams have shown the ability to take over a game and really kind of impose their play partway through, much like I think the team that wins the jump ball at the very beginning of the game has a little bit of an advantage, whoever gets to start the tone of the game the way that they want is immediately going to be putting the other team at a huge disadvantage. Um, the question then just becomes how, how long you can actually maintain that. So um, I, I do want to see if, if anyone else has any other things that they want to jump up, make sure you request. If you guys have any questions, have any comments, anything you want to throw in here. But, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're actually getting close to the time that I was originally planning on wrapping up just because I wanted to make sure everyone had an opportunity before tip-off. But um, before we go, I did kind of want to ask, obviously this is the end of the Big 12 season. Um, thoughts for these teams heading into March? We've hit them a little bit here and there, but how important do you think – this game itself is for either, you know, whether that's seating implications or location implications or just generally setting the tone for the team going into March. Not much. Any of you three can jump in. Go ahead. <laughs> Not much. I, I think either, I think for both teams, it, I think it's a little bit more important for tech just so we've mentioned it before, as far as really building the momentum because you did end the season pretty, uh, pretty lame. Right. And you don't want to have another situation, especially if you have another bad offensive showing after the offensive showing we had yesterday. You don't you don't want that to happen. But to be honest, just stringing together these three games, coming to the Big 12 final for the first time, I don't know how long, um, you know, hell, you won more games in this Big 12 uh, tournament than you have in, in, I think, the past, like, eight years combined or something to that effect. Look right? at so you, Coach Beard. Yeah, so it's – it's um. You know, it, it's so yes, it'd be. I do think it's if I had to choose somebody, I think tech needs it a little bit more. But at the same time, I, I do think that just getting these three, just getting here is a positive going into the NCAA tournament, right? And for we've already talked about how loose Kansas is playing. I think seating wise, it's going to be it, it's it's for tech, it's a wrap. We're, we're a three seed, in my opinion. Some people believe that we might be able to jump up to a two. I'm not one of them. We were firmly number 12 coming into the tournament. I don't think you jump four spots this high up uh, with a, with a tournament win. Um, you know, Kansas is interesting whether you'll be a one or a two, but I also don't think that this game will decide that. Uh, so I think for both teams, it's, I think both teams can really come into this game really loose and see who can win a championship. I do think that, especially now with Kentucky looking like they very well might lose to Tennessee, I do think if Kansas wins this game, uh, they will lock up a one seed. If they lose, that is where things get interesting. But again, with the Kentucky loss, uh, they might stay on the one line. Um, but I do think a win gets there. For Texas Tech, um, I agree. I think they're a three seed. They can be really dangerous from an outsider perspective, though. Like, 
like you guys have been saying, if their offense plays well and their defense plays well, if it clicks uh, at the same time, that's a very dangerous team. If Terrence Shannon gets going, if you get the best of Bryson Williams, that's that's a really scary team. That's that's an elite eight level team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I do think that both of these teams are positioned well for March. Uh, I, I, I do agree. I think at this point, with the way the rest of these results have all gone, it's hard for me to imagine that Kansas, even with a loss here, doesn't get the one line. I, I think what we have seen with the way that the committee has talked about, you know, um, kind of like in the in the bracket releases or the bracket release that they did, that the Big 12 was definitely getting a lot of respect. And so the fact that both of these teams have played in the Big 12 um, and have had the success that they've had, I think, will help with that. I, I honestly, I'm having a hard time seeing the Big 12 not getting two number one seeds because I don't know who actually jumps Baylor. Yeah, they lost to Oklahoma, you know, in, in the quarterfinals there. But the way that they put their resume together, unless the committee is like factoring in the health of Baylor at this point, it's hard for me to not see them get a one. And I would put Kansas in as a one over them. Um, even with a loss here to Texas Tech. And while I do think that Tech would get a jump from winning this game, I do agree with you that, you know, they probably can't get over a three at this point, but I don't think a loss would drop them down to a four. Um, I also don't really know what the difference would necessarily be for a two versus a three for them. Just kind of kind of looking at the way that most of the bracketology is set up. You know, Baylor, if they get a one, are going to go into the south most likely. Um, or or the East, depending on what Arizona does. Uh, I think the last I looked, Arizona hasn't – or no, Arizona hasn't played yet. Uh, wait a minute. I didn't actually – yeah, they play UCLA later tonight. Um, but I honestly don't even think, even if they lose there, that they're going to drop behind a Baylor or anything like that. So Baylor's probably headed out East. Kansas is probably headed to the Midwest. Um, Texas Tech is the next Big 12 team is probably going to get themselves put in the South. Um, and so maybe you would like a win here to try to make sure that that actually happens. But I just think given the way, you know, given the options, I don't, I don't know that stuff is going to really kind of play out for them to get shipped out, uh, to the West to, to face a Gonzaga team there. So I honestly, I honestly think that you guys are fine. So go ahead, both Kansas and Baylor getting that one, it gives Tech an even better shot at getting that three seed in the South because we, we we can't play we can't play y'all till the Elite Eight, and if right. we get a one seed in the South, well then we're not going to play y'all till the Elite Eight, and so um, I actually think that it actually works out better for Tech that both Kansas and Baylor are one seed, and I agree with you, especially with Kentucky losing losing today. Uh, I don't see Bay. I, I also think Baylor's going to get the, the the last one, and so w- with that. I think Tech's pretty well positioned. I, me personally, I'm not a. I don't see there's to me there's no difference between a two or a three. I know Tech fans have wanted a two for the last month. There's really no difference. You're going to end up getting virtually the the same type of player team in the first round and the second round. You're going to end up seeing the 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 other team that got the two seed in the in the Sweet Sixteen. It's not a huge difference. What's been important, in my opinion, has always been. Can we get to Fort Worth now? That doesn't really seem like a like a possibility without getting a two. Okay, if we can't get to Fort Worth in the first two rounds, can we get to San Antonio in the second two? And I think with Kansas and Baylor both getting a one seed, the op- the chances for Tech to be that three seed in the South actually looking at this point really good. Yeah, I think I think the biggest worry for for Texas Tech was if Baylor was able to to be that number two overall number one because then they would get placed in the South, and of course the way the bracketing principles work you know, the top four teams from the same conference that are all four or above in terms of seeding have to be in different regions, um, which means that 
Baylor getting shipped out to the East is actually fantastic for you guys because then that leaves only the South and the West as options for Texas Tech at that point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely, I, I definitely think you guys are just fine. I do think that Baylor is going to, with that loss to Oklahoma, keeps a one seed, but ends up then getting shipped out to Philadelphia, um, you know, assuming, of course, that they get through. And so it opens up, like you said, the, the opportunity for you guys to get that three seed in the South. So, all right. I don't have anything else, but uh, if do you guys have any other final thoughts before we get ramped up for this game? Last thought is I really want to see Tech's three-point. You kind of mentioned it with Agbaji, him getting six threes in the first game, seven threes in the second game. If there's one weakness that Tech defense does have is they do – the other team is going to have an opportunity to shoot threes. And if and – but Tech does play pretty aggressively, and I think that's really frustrated Brown the first two games. But if Brown gets going, he's kind of your X factor, especially if he gets going from three. There's going to be opportunities for him in this game to get going from three. And that is – I do think that that is how Tech loses this game is if Christian Brown gets going, especially if he gets going from three. I I'm so far have been correct on it. We had a – plug plug tortillas and takes podcast previewing the big 12 conference i have been right on every game so far i'm yet to take an l but unfortunately tech fans i did say that kansas was going to win this game in that preview and i'm kind of staying firm on that i do have kansas winning this game uh but like i said i think for tech it, it doesn't really change too much on in the grand scheme of things yeah i mean it definitely uh will be interesting to kind of see how all that plays out uh looks like we had a last minute request from chase chase go ahead what do you got for us I want to say thank you all for doing this today. I know both fan bases are happy to have this listen to as we finish our honey-do list around the house. At least that's what I was doing. And just since when we all found out the Big 12 might break up, I love the camaraderie amongst all of you kind of higher echelon Twitter guys that we have around the Big 12 now. It's kind of refreshing uh, because we've all had that same hatred for OU and UT. And for you do stuff like this. The rest of the fan base is really enjoying it. So I just appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate that. That's actually perfect lead in both my podcast here, the, the Rock Talk podcast, and then Albies podcast, Tortillas and Takes. It's actually part of the 1012 podcast network. Um, you know, I actually, along with Philip Slavin, we decided to go ahead and start that network because we both had podcasts that were focused on the Big 12. And I'm going to be honest, there's not a lot of Big 12 specific podcasts or you know like media groups that are out there so we wanted to make sure we had something we could grab a lot of the best podcasts a lot of the best people covering all these teams in the big 12 and really kind of push the entire conference forward i really appreciate what some of the other guys are doing as well they're on here rock talk blog um look i'm going to be honest inside the paint was one of the first ku podcasts that i started listening to so i was really really happy um, you know, to kind of jump in with my own analysis as well, as, as well, but to have guys to listen to, to talk about the teams that we all care about. I know every single one of us are really appreciative of that. So um, really appreciate all you guys joining me today. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and let you guys plug where, where, where everybody can find all your stuff. So go ahead, uh, RC, where can everybody find your work? Yeah, kind of a freelance right now, but started a podcast up, uh, the Back to 12 podcast with uh, Texas Tech wide receiver legend who just jumped in here, uh, Lyle Leong Jr. Um, we talk weekly about Texas Tech athletics um, and really the Big 12 as a whole, but you can find us over on YouTube or Spotify, the Back to 12 podcast. And then I also uh, do sports gambling stuff for gaming today, as well as uh, fantasy sports analysis over at Osimo.com as well. So I appreciate you guys having me on and getting a little shameless plug in there. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then, of course, uh, then up, up next, Rock Chalk blog. I think that most Kansas fans probably know where to find your stuff, but just in case, where can they find everything? Yeah, of course, on Twitter, we are at Rock Chalk blog. Uh, the guy who does the actual tweets is at Ryan underscore Landis. You can find him there. Uh, I'm Landon Fields. You can find me at Fields underscore Lando. Uh, the third member of the podcast trio uh, is at and Wipert, though he's not very active on Twitter these days. Um, yeah, and then you can find the uh, the podcast Inside the Paint. Uh, we're hosted on Spreaker, but we're on you know Spotify and iTunes and, and all that. So uh, go out there and listen to it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, for sure. Albie, what about you? Yeah, to follow me, click on my masked face, then click on my name, and then hit the follow button. Uh, make sure to do that. <laughs> also, um, uh, host the Tortillas and Takes podcast. That's at Tortillas underscore RRS. We are now the official podcast of Raider Raider Sports. So make sure to, uh, if you like tech, if you like tech basketball, tech football, recruiting, all that news, uh, follow us, follow Raider Raider Sports, uh, 1012 News. We're all, we are part of the 1012 Network. So make sure to follow at 1012 Network as well. Um, and if you're a Kansas fan, you just want to see what else is going on in the rest of the Big 12. Do all that as well. If you're a tech fan, do what Andy's about to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so yeah, I mean, this is uh, obviously my account here, the, the Rock Chalk Podcast. I podcast about all things Kansas Jayhawks. Um, follow me, click on the, you know, the link here. Follow us, Rock Chalk Pod, here on Twitter. You can follow me personally, Andy Mitch 12 That's my Twitter account. I do talk about more than just Kansas over there because I am one of the co-hosts over on the, the 1012 podcast that comes out. I, I'm over there every single Monday talking about all the big stories in the Big 12. I really enjoy that over there. Appreciate Philip bringing me on over there as well. But, uh, yeah, I also do cover the Kansas Jayhawks over on the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site. Uh, it just started up this last month, Blue Wings Rising. That's at Blue Wings Rise on Twitter. A uh, little weird that, you know, my, my handle that I wanted there for the actual site name wasn't available, so we improvised. Um, you can All the stuff we have over there, we have a great group of guys. That are over. Um, covering all the Jayhawks, we all we all came over from another outlet just a little bit ago. But we really enjoy what we're doing over there. We're building something fun. So if you want information about the Kansas Jayhawks, you can follow me here for the podcast. You can also follow us at the site over there uh, at Blue Wings Rise. But appreciate everybody jumping on today. It was really fun previewing this game, talking about everything going on. I'm I'm hoping that the Big Twelve as a whole, you know, shows out really well in the tournament. I actually was the guy that my big, bold prediction prior to basketball was that was that the Big 12 was going to have three different teams uh, in the Final Four this year. This is honestly one of the years that it could potentially happen, assuming that Baylor can get their, their injury situation under control. I could easily see any one of Kansas, Baylor, and Texas Tech making a run to the Final Four with the way that the team played and the fact that you know the rest of all of college basketball has had so many issues this year. So appreciate all of you guys listening in. Everybody go get yourself ready for the game if you need to go take a break. I know I need to go do that so we can all be ready for tip-off. Um, have a fantastic rest of the afternoon. Thank you guys so much for joining. Yep. OU sucks. Horns down. Thanks, Andy. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott and Holman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott and Holman Podcast is all about? 
I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.